Uh, hey, it's me, uh, Ben, from the podcast Bunta Vista. Uh, I'm recording this in a hotel room in beautiful uh, Emerald, Queensland. I'm recording this on my phone, uh, not into a nice microphone, because I am on holiday, ostensibly, sort of. Um, my car is in the mechanics. It has been for the last two days. It will be for another day. So my very brief overnight stay in Emerald has turned into a beautiful um, a three-day holiday, uh, which is fine. I'm actually, I'm having a very nice time. All I'm doing is like drinking beers and walking and reading my book, and it's been very nice. Um, the episode that you're about to hear, uh, which if Andrew has correctly followed my instructions, is the free episode for this week, which was a paywalled episode from last week. Uh, this is an episode of the, the Theo Files um, that I've done with Theo. Uh, it's it's a good one, I think. I really like it. I think you will too. Um, if you want to get <laughs> exclusive bonus episodes or uh, bonus episodes, you know, a week later that I've then unpaywalled, um, check out the Bunta Vista Patreon. You'll, you'll love it. Um, I hope you're doing well. Hope you're thriving. Um, yeah, enjoy. Come one, come all, and gather round. We'll tell our tales to thee of saints and whores and demon cause of sights for all to see. Come ye all around the fire and listen all the while. To tales of holes and mystery We call the Theophiles We call the Theophiles Alright. Yep. Hey, uh, welcome to another edition of the Theophiles. I'm not sure what number. I don't I don't know if we number these. Um, I'm Theo, and I'm your friend. You don't, you don't need me to tell you that. Uh, as you greet me, I take your hand and shake it or giving you three sturdy pats on the shoulder with my other hand, as friends at ease might. Here he is, I say to you with a smile. Uh, and of course, I'm also here with your other friend, Ben. Ben greets you with a full hug given without reservation and gives mm. you a sincere, hello, beautiful. It's Ben. That, that is how I greet people. Yeah. That's true. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Just, just two of my pals here with us. Yep. Um, me, you, and Ben. Uh, and, and I've got to say, honestly, it's it's so good having two friends like like you two. Um, you ever read those tweets or articles that are like, you know, uh, oh, I don't mind being friends with different politics and beliefs and stuff. Like, that just sounds like a fucking a nightmare to me. Uh, and I've got brackets, in brackets here, riffing. Ben? Yeah, oof, uh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I actually have many friends with very different political beliefs to me because yeah. I live in one of those those bubbles uh, yeah. that they talk about all the time where I only like people who I don't think are monsters. Yeah. Yeah, and certainly you fall into... Not not Ben, you, but but you. You, our friend, the <laughs> yeah, third. You, the empirical you. Yeah. Uh, certainly fall into that bucket as as well. Just wonderful politics on you. So um, good that we agree on everything. So, so great. Yeah. So great. Well, I mean the fundamental stuff, right? Yeah. Um, it's good to have that down pat. Um, any, anyway, like I'm, I'm sorry. Actually, I'm sorry, sorry to ask, but are you good to drive? Like, um, I, I can spot you for petrol money. I know the price. Ben and I were just talking about the price before you got here. Um, price, price of petrol is pretty fucked at the moment. Um, so that's no worries. We can spot you for that. Uh, it's just Ben and I have already been. You know, we've had a couple. Mm. Um, 
And I was wondering, you know, what, what's your calendar look like for the next nine days or so? But, oh, sorry. I, I know it's a bit. It's probably a bit hard to, to see on Google Calendar on your phone. Um, but, but look, like, how, just what do you reckon? How much saliva could you produce on an average night? I mean, like, ballpark. Like, no, you don't have to give me an exact answer. Just like, is it like half a mason jar? Or like, don't worry if you can't do that much straight away. Your glands will grow musculature <laughs> with time. Like, I mean, check out Ben's. Ben, Ben, show, show them your glands. Check these out. <laughs> I don't know how, how would you show your glands to a person, you reckon? <laughs> uh... I'd probably go, ah, as, ah. A, as a start, yeah. Yeah, look at these. Yeah, ah, ah. yeah. Yep. Yeah, hey, um, also, have you been out to Kingaroy? <laughs> I know it's I know it's sort of Joe Bjelke-Peterson country out there. Like, well, it's the peanut capital of Queensland. But it is the peanut capital of Queensland. And if not, not the just world. Because we're going there. Um, <laughs> but, like, also, the soil is just this beautiful red volcanic colour. Um, which really lends the wet obelisks uh, an otherworldly quality, I think. Um, oh, yeah, sorry, the wet obelisks, yeah. Um, so what Ben and I like to do f- to wind down uh, is get out there in the scrub, uh, dig into that glorious red soil with our hands, and using our spit, uh, we take the dirt and we wetten it. And we build these wet obelisks, and they're, they're like... Um, well, Ben, they're your thing. How would you describe them? Um, well, I think if you've uh, ever seen the... The Saul Bass movie, uh, Phase Four, and I haven't. No, there's definitely there wasn't even a, a chance in my mind that you personally <laughs> would have seen Phase Four. Um, well, the the giant mysterious obelisks that these uh, irradiated ants start building out in the desert. They're sort of kind of what we're doing, except yeah. they're not they're not dry. Uh, they're very they're quite damp. Quite, quite damp. Yeah, that's yeah. where the saliva comes in. That's sort of why I asked. It wasn't like. Yeah, they're kind of phallic, but not by design. It's just that if you build, you know, like a tall, narrow object. Yeah, if you build enough obelisks, you're going to get some dicks. Yeah, and I have been um, digging holes as a counterpoint to introduce some yonic objects in there as well. Yeah. Because I don't want want that to be the vibe. I don't want people to see our beautiful obelisks of moistened Kingaroy Earth and think, ugh, Mm. you know, little, very testosterone heavy out here. And, And it's not just because you get the holes for free. Like, if they you're are, digging an obelisk, you yeah. do get the hole for free. But yeah. there's so much more than that, those holes. Yeah. Build one obelisk, get yeah. yourself a hole, as they say. Yeah. But unlike unlike the obelisks, um, which are uh, sopping wet um, with our refractory liquids, um, the hole's completely dry. Yeah. It's ironic, isn't it? Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, we usually do this for like two, three weeks at a time, I think. Um, but totally understand if you only got a week or so to build wet obelisks obsessively day and night until our clothes split off our backs. And You're not going to want less than a like week, wet though. Stones. No. Four, four days is not going to cut it. Four days is barely going to smoothen uh, your mind into uh, 50 grit. Mm. Um, whereas we want them to be gleaming, ready for the blade of thought to be honed upon. That's um, right. Like, I mean, it's, it's also just going to depend on how much leave you have. Yeah, and maybe if you don't have enough leave, you could sort of take it at, like, at like half pay Yeah, my, my work does a thing with half pay. Yeah. Which I think is, you know, that could work out pretty good. Like, you're still getting paid, you know. I also get, like, a couple of days of charity leave as well. Like, if I want to go and volunteer. And this is, 
um, I think volunteering for a worthwhile cause, which and, and the cause is simply the wet obelisks. Right. Like so, as an example, um, you used some of your charity leave in the wake of the early 2022 Brisbane floods to come help clean up uh, my my friend's farm uh, mm-hmm. that got flooded. Yeah. And you. Uh, the third person in, in this situation could use your charity leave um, to come help feverishly build some mounds out in out in Kingaroy. Yeah, let your um, fingers and uh, armpits and mouths fill with dirt. I think uh, in out in the scrub, in the bush. Uh, it's only a three-hour drive, I think, from memory. But those three hours whip by. Yeah, oh, um, a beautiful country out that way as well. Beautiful country, astonishing a- drive again. Such a shame that it's it's populated, um, not entirely, uh, but but largely by um, you know retrograde conservatives, yeah. um, worshiping at the fascist corrupt altar of Joe Bielke Peterson. But mm, the dirt, the skies out there, um, as you're working uh, day and night, um, eyelids unclosing. Yeah. Um, you get what well, I I took. Um, I took my camera out there, sort of set the uh, focal length to infinite um, up on the stand. Um, I think about 20-second uh, exposure time. Mm. You get some sumptuous Milky Way there. Yeah, and you sometimes you have to double-check that um, uh, setting your focus point at the infinity marked on the lens is actually at the horizon because sometimes uh, cheaper or poorer lenses, they, they won't actually correlate with those two things. So oh, you can't just do it by rote. Yeah, you got to double-check those. Yeah. Do yeah. you want to? This thing I've I've never understood. I've never kind of stopped to do the maths on the timing there because there, there there is a function that's like you know if your lens is this and you know whatever you um probably only want to do fifteen seconds or less or yeah. twenty seconds or less. Do you want to? Do you want a um? Do you want a shorter focal length or a longer focal length for doing the, the stars. I always forget. Because I had a pancake lens and that worked quite well. But you want a shorter focal shorter, length. Yeah. Yes, okay, because, so that's why the pancake lens worked. Yeah, less visible movement in the stars, certainly, yeah. than you would get if it was on a longer focal yeah, length. Yeah, and you can kind of just stick that there and put that on um, time-lapse while uh, you sink your, your hands uh, down to your elbows, down to your shoulders uh, yeah. in the earth. Yeah. Um, Smearing yourself with that sacred mud that you have created in a compact with the earth... Uh, Feverishly, yeah. yeah. Um, but like I said, yeah, a bit of a drive out there. While we're doing that, um, let's fill in the first hour uh, with some weird stuff. Yeah, um, that sounds great. Yeah. Um, so on the last Theophiles, um, I th- I think from memory, I don't. I think this was the last one. We read from the bizarre screed of the chiropractic. Is that the last one? Do you think the previous one that we did? I think that might be right. The last one we did was the Theophiles 10, I believe. Yeah. Um, oh, no. So, the last one was actually about uh, giving uh, hallucinogenic drugs or psychoactive oh, yeah. substances to, to small so creatures. Like fish and, and, yeah. Yes. And I believe I did uh, a collection of uh, very, very old jokes. Oh, that is the so good. episode of Theophiles X, Deus mm. X Mystery Snail slash A Fuck for Every Shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, that's so shameful. Um <laughs> previous to that, uh we talked about um the chiropractic, um mm-hmm. the foundational text of the chiropractic discipline, uh for which you are eligible for five bulk build visits a year through Medicare, I I found out. 
Um, oh, it must be a real science then. It must be a real science thing, and I do want to dive into that. Um, the last time I think we kind of made it out to be this crank thing, though. <laughs> um, we sort of arrived at the fact that, um, it. I mean, I think I, I picked out of the first hundred pages, and we never got to the point where we adjusted any bones or anything like that. It was all about, you know... Um, Unifying with the Godhead through yeah. the correct application of the Religio Medici. Couldn't have said it better myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's D.D. Palmer. So D.D. Palmer was the guy that, I don't know if invented is the right word, but it came to him um, as as something might come to you. And that, um, of course, was digging. his name before he joined the Ramones. Yeah. Um, but... Um, and and he was also the self-described... He had a whole bunch of names for himself, like the Old Master, etc. Self-described Fountainhead, which I think means something like the font of knowledge. But it's also the name of a club you can go to get peed on. So that's <laughs> nice. Um, but if Didi Palmer invented it, his son BJ Palmer, uh, who probably murdered Didi Palmer with his car, yep. um, potentially. Uh, we don't know, but probably. Uh BJ took the chiropractic and developed it into a scientific discipline, introduced rigor, science, measurements. Um, so I think this week we'll, we'll get a bit more into the science of what makes um, the chiropractic work. Um, so we'll read specifically from the subluxation-specific uh, book by BJ Palmer, subtitled An Exposition of the Cause of All Disease. This is going to pair... So nicely with what I have for oh, you. Lovely. This is absolutely delightful. Um, and Ben, I hope you don't mind me spoiling things for you to say that that cause of all disease, uh, you bet your ass, it's bones. I thought it might be bones. <laughs> I don't know how you got that, but it is bones. <laughs> um, now, so I'll just read the the inlay um, of this because I think it does help us get into the right mindset for accepting this information. Quote, In entering into the study of this book and its work, each should, so far as possible, lay aside for the time being all previous theories, beliefs, teachings, and practices. (laughs) By so doing, you'll be saved the trouble of trying all the way through to force, quote, new wine into old bottles. Mm. Mm. If there is anything, as we proceed, which you do not understand or agree with, let it lie passively in your mind until you have studied and gone through the book the third time. For many statements that would at first arouse antagonism and discussion will be clear and easily accepted further on, after mature reflection and after repeated understanding. After you have given the book mature deliberation, if you wish to return to your old beliefs and ways of living, you are perfect, at perfect liberty to do so. Hey, if you want to go back to being a fucking dumbass, uh, sort of just wanking in a cave. Sure. Your choice. Your choice. But if you, you want to move some bones around and ascend to heaven. I don't think I would have a particularly hard time getting new wine into old bottles. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe they didn't have funnels yet. Maybe they didn't realise they didn't have emptying bottles technology at that no. point. Yeah. No. Um, sorry, I thought the um, you won't be ascending to heaven thing uh, would be... Sorry, it was, was a little derivative and then I forgot the next sentence. But for the time being, become as little children, for said the master, who I think is Didi Palmer, quote, yep. except ye become as little children, ye can in no wise enter the kingdom of heaven. That's so true. So true. You're yeah. saying it more and more. Um, so getting into this book, it's almost as bizarrely written as the chiropractor, the one from Dee Dee Palmer. Um, it has about 40 pages of preface and foreword, 
um, which ramble through the basis of human knowledge, discipline, pages and pages upon court proceedings, uh, which say that legally you cannot fuck with the chiropractic. Um, <laughs> but that's sort of, yeah, I mean, that's not the content of it. What are we getting? Um, quote, we have not in this public publication gone into the intricacies or the technique of how to build up a chiropractic adjustment. So don't go expecting how to, how to move bones around just yet. Uh, believing those details and matters of instruction in a school devoted to that subject, where time can be spent pursuing the course essential to production and building of a chiropractor. Uh, in no sense, then, is this book a substitute for a chiropractic course of instruction. It does, however, aim to present groundwork in fundamental principles in the latest development of chiropractic principle and practice. No problems. Sounds straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last time when we talked about Didi Palmer, we came to the conclusion that he was something like a Gnostic libertarian, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is a horrible <laughs> pairing of words. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a libertarian, I believe, as we call them. Um, and his son, BJ, who probably murdered him with a car, yeah. uh, is absolutely this too. Um, but he's he was also like a success mindset TikTok entrepreneur. Like he's the kind of guy who writes Twitter threads with two break lines every sentence. Yeah. And tags in Elon Musk on shit he thinks is like <laughs> really, really cool and clever. Uh-huh. Um. So, just just briefly dipping into the foreword um, about science and the importance of staying on your grind. Uh, Thomas, I quote, Thomas A. Edison sought specifics. Passing through the Smithsonian Institution Electrical Department, I saw hundreds of globes accredited to Mr. Edison. Why so many? Thousands of elements were tested, tried, and thrown away. Each element tried gave light. 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 Each yeah. element tried gave light. Yeah. He sought a specific that would attain. Now, in specific is not used here as an adjective. Um, they he's are using it as a noun. Using it's quite it as intriguing. a noun. Yeah, um, yeah. He, he's going to go on doing that. Yeah. He sought a specific that would attain more light with less electricity. There's a lot of things in all caps here, as mm. is uh, the way of a nutter. Uh, each <laughs> succeeded in its way in time, but none attained the greatest efficiency in reaching that ultimate goal. Insofar as they gave more light, they succeeded. Insofar as some of them burned more electricity and gave less light than others, they failed to reach his ultimate objective specific. See Mr. Edison in his laboratories. Thousands of wires, different metals, different sizes, different chemical compositions tested, some succeeding more, others less. Thousands of fiber, fibers of various vegetable and growing strings were secured, tried and tested, some succeeding more, others left, all giving light. <laughs> he was always seeking that one combination of conditions that would resist transmission greatest with least consumption of electricity which would give greatest white heat to radiate greatest white light. Um, it's sort of like when you're young and you're trying to um, work out which jack-off technique is the best. Yeah. Uh, to consume less electricity to perform more work to radiate more light. Finally came the vacuum tube and tungsten wire. Today, the Mazda Globe <laughs> gives more light and has materially reduced the consumption of electricity. Uh, con- contrast... Um, Blah, 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 blah. Um, there's so much of this. Mr. Edison could have stopped any time, any place. He had produced light. He was not cont- content to stop. He was content only 
as he created more light with less electricity. In ratio, as he produced more light, he used less electricity, and as he used less electricity, he created more light. Well, that yeah, that follows. Yeah, I stop doing that now. Was Mr. Edison interested in blowing glass bubbles? Was he interested in making money? Do you know the single fucking uh, like a single thing about Thomas Edison? Like, like a single thing about Thomas Edison. That oh, motherfucker love- <laughs> loved making money. He loved making glass bulbs. That's yeah. uh, it was just big, the whole light bulb thing was big just a bulb guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. I may as well put something in there. May yeah. as well be Doesn't an element. expound on whether we're talking wet bulb or dry bulb, but this man loves just <laughs> making a distinction between wet bulbs and dry bulbs. <laughs> um why did he keep on experimenting, testing, trying different materials, never fully satisfied, grind mindset, keep at it, ten thousand hours of creating bubbles. Um if he was only interested in creating light in a glass globe, he could have stopped years before. Was light the only objective? He had in mind an ultimate objective, and he wanted it to live in reality through the globe. The ultimate goal, if there, if there be an ultimate, was cold light akin to the firefly or glowworm. Men had so far attained only heat light, building up resistance to greatest heat, white in color, which is light as a byproduct. Um... So this goes on for yonks. And he's using this as a metaphor to just describe the process of working on something until it's better? Yeah. and I think that the... So so he is in the foreword, although we haven't found this out yet, um, describing working at the chiropractic. To make it better than his dad's. Yeah. But also, they do say, um, in a part that I have not clipped here, that um, it emerged fully formed and nothing could be added or taken away from. So, right. that's cool. Yeah. Um, is Henry Ford interested in building cars, seeing how many he could sell? Is he interested in making and amassing money? Uh, yes. Is he concerned <laughs> in earning money or in using money to some other end? Let me quote Mr. Ford. Quote, I don't know how many cars Chevrolet sold last year. I don't know how many they're selling this year. I don't know how many they may sell next year. And I don't care. I can tell you something that uh, Henry Ford was concerned about. Yeah, the Jews. The Jews. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, he goes on like this for pages and pages. He goes on like with the with the plane and how... Things used to suck when when we were on the ground, but now we're in the air, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, um, before finally bringing it around, um, didn't D. D. Palmer give an adjustment to Harvey Lillard, and wasn't his hearing restored? That's so fucking funny to me. Like popping a bone. <laughs> <laughs> oh. this is straightening someone's elbow. My God. <laughs> Someone play this man Beethoven immediately. Like those dodo videos of babies hearing for the first time. Uh, uh, Then was the time for all chiropractors to sit down and be content. There was the principle and practice. It worked. What more could anyone demand? That's loser talk. Not BJ Palmer. He's fucking... He's going to the next level. Thousands of ideas came, went, were substituted in subsequent years, time and again. Our people and their work were in flux. Nothing finally settled. All in turmoil. Few followed the parade. Many were content to sit and wait, quote, until it was finished, little realizing that nothing is ever completed. 
Oh, nothing is ever completed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for years, chiropractic was founded on beliefs and faiths and theories and hypotheses. Now is the builded. Now it is builded on scientific data which man can secure for himself. Oh, yeah. I didn't know that uh, the word built was a, a recent introduction into English. Yeah, I don't think it was. <laughs> um, even as a boy, in the very youth of my life in chiropractic, I made a vow, all caps, that I would live to so develop chiropractic that it would find and locate and be able to correct a specific cause for every disease in the human body uh, and to so develop this philosophy and art that it would be made scientific where it would be recognized as scientific by scientific men and so proved by the use of scientific instruments. Now, to me, that's sort of probably the wrong point to start at, to say, hey, chiropractic will and does solve everything. I've just got to prove it. Yes. Yeah. That Instead is of kind checking of... first. Well, I mean, that's not bad science. He started with a hypothesis, uh, and then next he's going to move to... And I can't remember any of the other steps in the scientific method. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think he's... But there's a lot of bones involved. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, we're going to read a little from the first chapter to get enough of an idea as to why the chiropractic works to heal every known disease mm. uh, and why every medical professional until this point in history was a well-intentioned but gormless shithead. It's kind of cool that um, there's this desperate craving for a, like grand unified theory yeah that like instead of just being like well the body's a very complex organism with lots of microorganisms oh. and stuff and there's so many different elements it you know ben, things can just happen f- you fucking idiot yeah you, no it's actually it's a very simple you world's moron all right here um, we go <laughs> <laughs> uh hold on to that that thought okay. um we're gonna skip the five different different dictionary definitions he gives for the word specific uh, he's a big Webster's defines whatever uh, guy. Um, we begin, um, and uh, as I read this, mentally your mind should be doing the South Park, this is what chiropractors actually believe, blinking text the whole time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, cool. Quote, for 5,000 years, the medical profession have been, the medical profession have been consistently seeking a specific cure of a specific for the cure of all diseases. First one way, then another. They have woven off and on the stage of human effort, always to the same end. Millions of dollars. Millions of bodies have been desiccated, both human and animal, dead and alive. Laboratories of all kinds have been used. Libraries have been written, revised, and discarded. Today they have 148, quote, specific serums for 148, quote, specific diseases as a net result. So funny to put a number to that. It's like those gender guys are like, oh, do you hear they they think there's actually like 92 genders now? It's so funny. And they just feel like they feel compelled to add more to that number. Like 148, he pulled that 100% out of his ass. Like that's not based on a single thing. No. Um, <laughs> but you'll be you'll be glad to know that those will be thrown into discard given a few years. Uh, hey, got any serums? Fuck them off. Yeah, throw out your serums. <laughs> your serums are useless. They are worthless now. Um, for five thousand years, that profession has run the race down through blood diseases and blood remedies to purify the blood, nerve exhaustion with nerve tonics, serum specifics for germ diseases. Uh, They have long sought that elixir which could eradicate diseases from the human race that they might step up the efficiency of that race. 
that they might think more clearly, function more normally. Yeah, let me tell you, buddy. 2022, still not functioning more normally. Yeah. I'm functioning less normally, I think. Oh, should we mention... Um because I don't think we've said this yet, um, you have, and I think I'm pronouncing this correctly, the novel coronavirus? You have COVID. So, Webster's def- defines uh-huh. the word novel. And having Yeah, let me just have a little... Um, so, uh, this is actually from Oxford. Um, a fictitious prose narrative of book length, typically mm. representing character and action with some degree of realism. Yeah, do they have um, a... Definition for the adjectival use oh, I didn't, of that word no, there? That was what we were referring to. Yes. Um, let me just try that. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, from Latin novellus from Novus New. Uh, interesting, new or unusual. And on this podcast, I certainly have um, kind of made fun, uh, made, made a lot of jokes, um, made light of coronavirus thinking that doing that was new and interesting yeah it's ironic isn't it uh, a little I- ironic i, be- I, I believe um yeah. but now um through my my lived experiences i've i've grown mm. i've become more of a man mm. and um it's it has finally taught me i think that um when it comes to the novel coronavirus Mm-hmm. Uh, to me, mm. it's not seeming uh, like it is so novel anymore. Uh, would kind you of say the novelty has worn off. The novelty has worn off now that you have. Now, now that, that I have, have the novel yeah. coronavirus. To you, it's just the coronavirus. To me, or or you know, I think by this point, several days into it, uh, the passe coronavirus. Mm. Yeah. And that's very interesting that you say that. Um, I haven't had the novel coronavirus. No. And I don't think I ever will. No. Uh, which leaves me alone. I won the Deadpool uh, Yeah, of we the didn't podcast. actually. Yeah. We, we, I proposed the Deadpool mm. uh, and got zero takers. Yeah. Uh, well, perhaps Go we should try. Go back to those chat logs. I think I was proposing maybe $500 for a Deadpool. Fuck. And you could be, you could be uh, rifling through $500, um, one third of which coming from my pocket for having caught the novel coronavirus, now the passe coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, but you weren't. You didn't take it up. I didn't, no. Because I was relatively convinced that of the four of us, I was going to be the first because I have, like, an actual job where I... No, that seems a very unfair way to categorize <laughs> yours. But I... Uh, yeah, you leave the house. And I, my problem was I did I did leave the house. Yeah. I left You've, the sanctity of Brisbane. Do you reckon you picked it up in Melbourne? Oh, had to have been. Where else do diseases come from? So you're saying that I, um, I, I spent... Uh, quite a long time in a car with the three of you with COVID, and I still didn't oh, get yeah. it. Oh mm. yeah, yeah, you did. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Huh. Well, hopefully, yeah, uh, some some manipulation of your bones can solve this. Uh, absolutely. Um, I tell you what, what doesn't solve it? Um, extracting teeth because they quote create a toxin in the body necessitating an antitoxin. Um, I I love like so much of this quack stuff. Um, how his like ridicule of science is based on um like a complete misunderstanding of science and i know yeah. it's like 1930 but i'm pretty certain they're just pulling teeth out because they're all fucked up yeah and you don't want them in your head anymore yeah not because <laughs> your teeth are generating poison yeah i mean they are if you need to get a, a root canal or whatever that's pretty well understood hmm. um yeah. but that doesn't stop him i don't think yeah um 
They've pursued fashion after fashion, fad after fad, style after style. Not like, not like the chiropractic though. No, this isn't a fad. Well, it's I mean, it's kind fad. of, it's not a fad it's because here fad we are anymore. 90 years later and it's yeah. on the fucking Medicare schedule. Yeah. Sh- schedule. Never arriving at a specific for the cure of any disease. Uh, the answer of the failure is simple. No personal group of persons, no matter how they work, ever can or ever will locate a specific for cure of any disease. Disease is an effect. No cure can ever be found for cure of any effect. No cure can ever be found for cure of any effect. Hmm. So long as effect is effect, it has a cause. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. I um, agree. To call one effect a cause of another effect is to play the vicious cycle of the dog chasing its tail. I love it. I love these guys getting caught up in like what the words mean. Yeah. As 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 opposed to like how people get sick. They're semanticsing their way into science. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's it's pretty funny because at this point there I think there is a point to be drawn about um about medicine and healing and 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 um and, and stuff in in the realm of Western history, right? Because we were doing a lot of, uh, you know, I don't know, bone soaring, bone shortening, bone lengthening, um, you know, putting taps into people's heads or whatever, mm-hmm. going, yeah, yeah, that'll help you. Yeah. And never really, like, understanding that you have to check a whole bunch of cases to see whether that's real until um, until basically the guy that, that cured scurvy, right, where they took... Uh, a bunch of people on one side and a bunch of people on the other side, and they gave a bunch of them lemon juice. One uh, one side they gave lemon juice, the other side they didn't. And they saw what happened, right? Yeah, I was I was actually listening to something about the discovery of uh, using citrus to treat scurvy. Yeah, that we figured out that that's what did it, and then somehow popular opinion turned against it. Yeah, and they decided it was something else entirely. Yeah, yeah, it took them like fifty years to implement. Yeah, which is so wild. They, like, got it, and they were like, nah, that's probably not it, though. But the, yeah, but they weren't... I think this is in the, in the mid-1700s, and they weren't... I don't think they were ready for, like, the fact that they checked. Yeah. That they checked <laughs> that it did it. Well, like, they didn't, they didn't they believe in experiments at that point. They're they, did, like, they didn't believe in it. Yeah. They're like, well, just because you demonstrated it doesn't mean it's real. Yeah, and and neither does this guy. <laughs> Great. Um, it's very cool. Um, so medical men sought a specific for the cure of disease. Chiropractic sought a specific cure, sorry, sought a specific cause of disease. So I kind of get, this is the, yeah, this is the line that they're drawing here, right? That, okay. So if you take scurvy as an example, that's, that's a disease that you would catch. The cause, the cure of it, right, is vitamin C, Mm -hmm. right? That's not the cause of, like, not having enough vitamin C is not the cause of getting scurvy. The cause of getting scurvy is somewhere in between C1 and C2. Yes, And requires that's right. manual subluxation. Yeah, it requires a karate chop uh, yeah. from a man named River. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, this is and is not so. <laughs> The medical cause and effect were not related and were frequently antipodal to each other. Medical men say, quote, high blood pressure, germs, environment, heredity, 
contagion and infection. Yep. Wrong yeah. diet. Uh-huh. Poisons in the system. Yeah. Unbalanced chemistry. Drinking water contained poisons. Milk contained tuberculosis germs. I don't want that. Pork contained trichna. Impure blood. Now trichna is that uh is is that one with nematodes. Oh, is it? Yeah, that's the nematode thing. Um and many others were specific causes of many diseases. Now Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, but I don't think he's setting this up to agree with it. Uh, what if that wasn't the case? Mm. They, they sought specific cures for reducing high blood pressure, killing germs, to modify environment, cure disease in the living, inspite cause of hereditary in the dead, disinfect contagion and infection, change diet, purify drinking water, sterilize milk, inspect meats, vegetables, and foods with the Pure Fu- Food Acts. Just a quick, like, anti-regulation thing there as well. Yeah. Antitoxin serums, etc. And I would say, like... Reading those and and all of those are completely successful. Yeah, yeah, we're still um. They did we, it. We have to pasteurize milk now, and yeah. uh, for very good reasons. He's a big, he's a big, he's a big raw milk guy. Yeah. More um, diseases are ca- classified as quote constitutional, cardiac, respiratory, febrile, febrile, fe- febrile, febrile. Yeah, I think that's of the like breeding. Uh, having or showing the symptoms of a fever. Ah. Yeah. So when I've been going into the doctor and saying, Doctor, I'm feeling very breedable. <laughs> They've agreed, turned you around, yeah. and then and said, you, out you of have room. the novel coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. um, mental, genitourinary. Yep. Unknown origin. Nervous. Yeah, I got that. Um, secretions and excretions. Yep. Two different things. <laughs> the two oh. big ones. Eye, big ear, two. nose, and throat. Sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, while each is thus classified, each local organic condition has a general effect on the balance of the body, and the balance of the body has an effect on each local organic condition. It is impossible to distinctly set forth any individuality of independence of any from all the rest. So what they, so he's saying a lot of words to basically say that. You can't say one one of these things is is the cause of it. You have to consider the whole of the person. Yes. Um, as Which long you, as you're talking about bones. their spinal column. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yes. You have to consider that it's it's complex and it could be any number of things. Yeah, well, any number of their bones. One of 216 bones. Yeah. Um, the majority of their specific causes were far removed from the character of their specific cures. If germs were removed from all things natural, external to man, all life would cease. The moment we enter man, all natural and rational <laughs> reasoning ceases. Yeah, I, I have certainly experienced that myself. <laughs> uh, for the record, sorry, 206 bones in the human body, not 216. Um, okay. don't, don't correct me. Yeah. I'm just saying this now because I could have done this in post and I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Medical men substitute medical science. Germs become a cause of everything dead in man. Germ life in milk must be killed. We pasteurize milk. Germs in man must be killed, for they kill man. There is no interrelationship between germs and killing germs to cure disease. There is. I mean, I can draw a very straight line between um, the meat that I improperly smoked yeah, the infamous uh, lukewarm. Was that was it pork that you were doing? What was? Oh, it was a beef beef brisket. Yeah, that beef you did top. at about forty degrees. About forty degrees, nice and warm. Hours. Get get some of that tropical beef going. 
uh, and then uh, going to the hospital <laughs> next day with tropical beefitis. <laughs> Nurse, I cannot stop uh, beefing. I've been beefing every 20 minutes. But you must. Since 4 Because I need to examine you. Um, <laughs> um, I think that there's an interrelationship between germs and killing germs to cure disease. Right. Just now, personally. Like, you can this kill is because germs. You personally are a theory of uh, a proponent of the germ of the theory, germ theory. Of disease. Yeah. yeah. He, and this guy believes in germs. He just uh, thinks that thinks they're, they're rad. irrelevant. <laughs> they're very cool. You give me a germ in the shape of a bone, maybe yeah. I'll start paying attention. <laughs> um, but in seeking a specific for the chiropractic cause of disease, uh, and the all cap stuff has not ended, by the way, it's still very much going. Um, the approach was on the obvious fact, all caps, that the cause and cure were internal to man. Therefore, the absence of any and all alibis or external application, injections, etc., Reliance being placed on innate intelligence, capital I, capital I. Go and check out episode nine um, if you want to know more about innate intelligence, yeah. uh, which is within. Uh, so you can't just like add germs to somebody and get them sick. They were already sick. They had yeah. a sickness of the bones. Mm. Mm. Um, in absence of knowledge, the human mind offers substitutes. It's certainly happening a lot here. In absence of ability, the human mind offers alibis. In absence of facts, the human mind manufactures denials. The medical profession have never found the cause of any disease. Hence, have never been able to cure disease. Uh, Until now, we know that the uh, cause of COVID-19 is the novel coronavirus. We know that. That's the one exception. Yeah. Um, germs, inheritancy, environment are offered as substitute. What the fuck does this guy think like happened to Phineas Gage? I think that's like safely an environmental thing, right? No, Bones. If someone had simply straightened Phineas Gage's spine, yeah, if his posture was good, that that railroad spike would have sailed right over his head. Yeah, if he, <laughs> <laughs> fuck, he got us. If he had been keeping his wallet. Uh, in a front pocket instead of a back pocket, so he wasn't slightly offsetting how he was sitting and yeah. thus giving himself some shoulder troubles. <laughs> Wouldn't have been a problem. Wouldn't have been a problem. Uh, in presence of knowledge of specific cause of all disease, the chiropractor finds no necessity to substitute alibi or manufactured denial. His reasoning is affirmative and positive. Oh. His, yeah, his brain's got big dick energy. Yeah. Bones... That'll be $150. Yeah, no facts, just vibes. Um, with presence of ability to adjust cause, sick get well. I love how many of these just sound like cavemen <laughs> trying to describe modern medicine. 100%. Um, with cause absent, innate intelligence becomes present. Mental impulse interference is released and restoration occurs. I think that's called post-nut clarity now. That's right, yeah. Um in days gone by, when the chiropractor did not know the specific cause of all disease, he too substituted 22 vertebrae uh, when he had no ability. So, quick slam on uh, chiropractors prior uh, yeah. who thought that um, the, the cause of all disease was somewhere in the bones. 
Yeah. Um, whereas now we know exactly where they are in the bones. In, in other words, fuck you, Dad. Yeah. When yeah. he had no ability to... Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you stupid piece of shit, I'm going to kill you with my car. When he had <laughs> beat, no ability... Beat motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> to locate accurately the cause, our group mind alibied with physiotherapies. When we did did not know, we stumbled with substitutes for ignorance, alibis for incompetency, and manufactured denials for health. External cause medically is the antithesis of internal cause chiropractically. Neither is external cure medically the same as internal cure chiropractically. No, because... Uh, the external cure medically might be something like, um, you know, I guess like a saline drip if you um, if you've been dehydrated from um, tropical beefing yep. for six hours. Yeah. Um, and that is very different from uh, the internal cure, which is practically dropping an elbow into your lumbar. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Uh, endless specific cures call for animal, vegetable, and mineral elements from sky, sea, and earth, from fish oils, animal blood serums, from earth contents, from every country of earth, assembled in countless forms and composition in chemical equations, arbitrarily changing from year to year. Uh, no man or set of men can know any reaction of any drug upon any person. It is... <laughs> I, I, th- I don't think that's true. Yeah, I think, like, a few people... Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. tons, actually, kind of at this point. Yeah. Know what happens if you swallow like two kilograms of cesium. Yeah. 137. No man can know. Um, it is cut and fit, guess and try, hoping something will do the correct thing. A specific in medicine, it has been sought for centuries. It has not arrived. This, It's so good, right? Because apart from the archaic language, like you could just cut and paste so much of this for like you know anti-vax bullshit for yeah. whatever for whatever um a scientific thing that you're trying to trying to push in um in being like both super specific but never really putting across any um anything provable or deniable no and just sort of thinking that the fact that to you it's extremely obvious that your yeah. one idea yeah. trumps having a nuanced understanding of it that yeah because it's obvious to you, it must be obvious to everyone. And because it's not complicated, that must mean it's true? Yes. Yeah, yeah. that's that's right. Instead of the fact that everything is complicated. It's, yes. It's a, it's a big old world out there. Um, and a lot of it's not bones. Um, but in 1895, D.D. D. Palmer laid down the principle that the cause of all disease was a vertebral subluxation. <laughs> it's still so funny to say. It's just insane. It's genuinely insane. <laughs> this is what chiropractors actually believe. You um, have HPV. Oh, of the vertebrae <laughs> subluxated, I guess. <laughs> um, occluding a lumen through which nerves passed, producing a pressure upon nerves, causing interference to the transmission of, the, of a normal quantity of abstract force generated in the brain and expressed at the end of the nerve in physiological function. What if you checked that and it wasn't that? Yeah. What if it was the railway spike? Yeah. Well, it can't be because that's external. Yeah. And it's not in the specific. In, 19, in 1895, a correct fundamental principle was advocated. For 38 years, the chiropractic movement has sought a specific for the vertebral cause of all disease. Bring it home now. No chiropractor from 1895 to date 
has added anything to that chiropractic principle to strengthen it. Nobody has subtracted anything from that principle to improve its value. Dad was right. Was That's a so direct right. quote? No. Oh. <laughs> um, and I will hit him with my car. Yep. For 38 years, the chiropractic profession has woven back and forth through the warp and woof of many techniques. <laughs> That's that... Um... <laughs> warp and woof? It's that Dragon Force song, yeah. right? <laughs> Adjustments, moves, systems, etc. Moves? Do you think they're like are we talk a karate drop? Yeah. Um. <laughs> Walls of Jericho. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, to attempt to bring the efficiency of the practice art up to the efficiency of the principle, we have laboriously and specifically sought to specifically locate. Sorry, we have laboriously and scientifically sought to specifically locate that specific subluxation, which specifically occluded a lumen, which specifically produced pressures upon nerves at a specific place in a specific way, which specifically interfered with transmission of a mental impulse supply, which caused all disease in the human body, which could be adjusted under certain specific rules, under certain specific methods, and repeat itself specifically should occasion and conditions necessitate. So the real... Real into specific stuff, just as long as it's telling you which bone to move. Yeah. Outside of that, it's all bullshit. Do you think he learned the word specific like the day before he started writing this? Yeah. Um, D.D. Pump began working upon a specific theory. He lived hoping that someday he could and would arrive at a definite and positive workable and demonstrable knowledge of that specific art. Gradually, the group mind that followed his teachings included and added until they were working upon 26 movable vertebrae. The single specific was lost sight of, although, generally speaking, many still (laughs) stayed within the province of the backbone. So it's so cool. It's like, oh, no, Dad was perfect and right. It's just all the people, all the chiropractors that were, like, following his work um, have just been getting, like, stupider and stupider. Yeah. But now I'm here. I'm... I'm the son of God. Yeah. You met the big guy. Now it's me. Say hi um, to the fountainhead too. Yeah. <laughs> Soon 26 vertebrae were adjusted to open all into vertebral lumen. Later we began crawling back to the single specific idea again with a Merrick system which systematized the backbone mm. and limited adjustments in number and locations. This developed into, quote, majors and minors, accentuating some, making others less important. Today, we confine our study and adjustment to the whole, and then in brackets, whole, <laughs> in one, adjustment of the atlas axis region. He's, he thinks he, he thinks he's slick. Did he? BJ think he's slick. He's, he was doing a joke? He's doing a joke there. Unbelievable. Or, or like a, I bet you didn't think our, um, our system applied to the whole body, but whole can have two meanings. That's Today, right through continued use of the exclusive process of deductive reasoning for facts, um, we realize the specific has been found in that area between the articulation of occiput, occiput, I don't know about that one, sorry, atlas and axis, wherein is the cause of all disease. The objective, long sought, has been found. So um, I'll leave it there because obviously now you know the cure of all disease. Yeah. Um, So if you if you're sick of doctors telling you to stop drawing, drinking raw milk uh, because it gives you 100% diarrhea, like one-to-one <laughs> kind of correlation there, uh, yep. check out the cure to everything. 
Yeah. Uh, moving some bones around. That was uh, refreshing. Yeah. Thank you. Because I really we thought that there. maybe like, you know, sometimes you get sick or you get these mystery aches and pains and you're like, fuck. And then the, you go to the doctor and they take your blood and they measure all sorts of other things. Yeah. Whereas instead I can just go straight to a chiropractor and uh-huh. just go go up to River, shake his hand warmly, put my mouth right next to his ear and go, heal me. Yeah. He's going to ask you to take the gym bar there, hang off it while you're setting that up. He's taking a run up. Yeah. He's gone to the other end of the room. He's um, doing, with, you know, when uh, those like floor routine gymnasts do like 10 cartwheels in a row really tightly, they yeah. do a flip. Yeah, because he's got to fill the space from there to the other corner of the uh, chiropractic dojo. Yeah. <laughs> and then at the, the moment he finishes completing his double rotation flip, the back of his right foot connects with your lower back. Yeah. Fixing you instantly. Yeah. Curing your endometriosis. <laughs> Now, um, I'm going to take us on a bit of a journey here. Um, thank you so much for that, by the way. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, I want you, uh, both of you, both you and um, you, Theo, and you, the listener, and also your wife, who might be in the car, to cast your mind back uh, to around 10,000 BC-ish, give or take, you know, 500 years. Yeah, I think I remember. Uh, specifically, I want you to concentrate uh, on the Middle Euphrates, Euphrates? Euphrates. Middle Euphrates Valley uh, and the High Tigris Valley, the Upper Tigris, uh, which are now in modern-day Syria and Turkey, respectively. I don't need you to tell me that. <laughs> you know all about Mesopotamia. I do, from the lyrics of Me Without You, big Mesopotamia guy, uh, Aaron, from Me Without You. He was never cancelled for anything, was he? Oh, fuck, I don't think so. Oh, um, he's a wild dude. Very yeah, strange. Some, I, just, I feel like something happened there. Anyway, check yeah, out potential. Me Without You, unless they're problematic, and then don't. Yeah. Uh, so around in this region, uh, we had, in two different settlements, we find the earliest archaeological evidence of domestication of the aurochs. Uh, the aurochs, of course, being uh, an extinct species of wild ox. Uh, Best estimates based on some DNA studies that we've done uh, suggest that a group of roughly 80 female aurochs were there, the first bovine animals domesticated in the world, right? And that that group of 80 female aurochs, basically like the majority of European cattle that exist today, like modern taurine cattle, are descended from that group of 80 female aurochs in those two different settlements, which is pretty cool. That is both cool and somehow a nightmare. For me as well, that you'd like, we've got all of this genetic material in the world, right? Like, so much variety, so much, um, um, like, I think, I think we're, we're okay with the idea that, that genetic variety is a good thing as far as, you know, disease and survivability goes and that sort mm. of thing. And we go, hey, these 80 girls, they're our girls. They're our girls. That's it. Yeah. Breedable. It- Not if... Not unless you're one of these 80. Well, I think they were chosen because they were submissive and breedable, uh, which is interesting. Uh, We're going to skip forward ahead to roughly the 5th century. Again, this is a bit of an estimate. But around that time, uh, a book called Apicius uh, was first, maybe not published, but one of the first versions of it uh, was put out. So this is a Roman cookbook that compiled... uh, a wide range of different household recipes from one or several authors, which we don't actually know. Oh, hell yes. 
We don't know the name of any of these people. Uh, one of the dishes including there is called Isichia omentada. Now, this recipe uh, describes having shredded beef mixed with pine kernels, black and green peppercorns, and white wine. You Ooh. form that into a patty, and then you bake it. Oh. Uh, incidentally, and this is not related to, to anything else I'm going to talk about, but the Apicius also has a recipe in it for braised flamingo, which is just... <laughs> <laughs> what a combination oh, that's of words. stunning. Oh. Uh, let's skip forward again. We're going to skip forward to the early 19th century. Uh, restaurants in New York City serving European immigrants who more often than not had embarked for America from the port of Hamburg... Uh, these restaurants begin offering Hamburg-style American fillet and beefsteak a la hamburgeois, uh, which is <laughs> minced beef formed into a patty and cooked like a steak, much like uh, the recipe in the Apicius. Oh. Now, later in that same century, in 1888, the first recipe for Salisbury steak is published. Uh, the recipe reads as thus... Eat the muscle pulp of lean beef made into cakes <laughs> and broiled. This pulp should be as free as possible from connective or glue tissue, fat, and cartilage. Uh, previous to chopping, the fat, bones, tendons, and fasciae, fasciae mm, you know, should all be cut away and the lean muscle cut up into pieces an inch or two square. The pulp should not be pressed too firmly together before broiling or it will taste livery. Simply press it sufficiently to hold it together. Make the cakes from half an inch to an inch thick, boil slowly and moderately well over a fire free from blaze and smoke. When cooked, put it on a hot plate and season to taste with butter, pepper, salt. Also use either Worcestershire sauce or Halford sauce, mustard, horseradish or lemon juice on the meat if desired. Celery may be moderately used as a relish. Now, uh, the author of this recipe didn't actually give Salisbury steak a name. Yeah, uh, it was. It became known as Salisbury steak though because the author who wrote this recipe was James Henry Salisbury, also known as J. H. Salisbury. Uh, the name became quite popular uh, at the start of the twentieth century in the early nineteen hundreds um, because the Americans and a lot of other English speaking countries uh, were moving away from German sounding names for things uh, because of World War One. Oh, so instead of calling was that a problem? Back then? The Germans? They're actually oh, a problem twice in that century. Yeah. Uh, so instead of calling hamburgers hamburgers yeah. uh, or the hamburger patties hamburger patties, they called them Salisbury steaks. Uh, they were also oh. calling hamburgers liberty sandwiches at some point. Oh, that's so funny. Everything is old real, is new again. Yeah, real freedom fries to bullshit. Repeat history. Russian dressing type, you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so... James Salisbury, James Henry Salisbury, he was born in New York in 1823. Uh, he worked as a chemist for the New York Geological Survey before studying to become a medical doctor. Salisbury served as a physician during the American Civil War, and while treating soldiers for digestive illnesses... Which side? He, uh, he, the Union, the, the not okay. slavers, yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, he developed the theories that would underpin the book he wrote in which the Salisbury steak was first described. So, uh, this book was not a cookbook in which the Salisbury steak was first described. It was actually a medical text, uh, and the book was called The Relation of Alimentation and Disease. 
alimentation referring oh, to the... Oh, this is, this is very uh, mm-hmm. tying together, Ben. Yeah, this is quite as if nice. we planned it this way. And we didn't, because we never do, because we no, like to surprise we each other. We, don't, we, we do like to surprise each other. Little, little gifts, treats, new techniques... Yeah, uh, which is why if you post uh, suggestions for Theophiles in the uh, in the chats where we can both see them, it defeats the purpose entirely. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll only tell people so many times. Uh, the alimentation here refers to the giving or receiving of nourishment from food. So, you know, sort of he's using it in the sense of thinking of food as medicine uh, uh-huh. or thinking of food in the way that a nutritionist does. Yeah. Um, here is an excerpt from the introduction of that book, published in 1888, I forgot to say. Physical wants and animal passions are the yearnings of health or the cravings of disease. In perfect health, those foods only are desired that are best adapted to maintaining the, healthy, maintaining the system in a healthy condition. Perfect health develops none but healthy physiological longings. Derange the human machine... <laughs> Not the way I'm doing it. <laughs> Well, uh, he has some explanations for why that might not be the case for some people. (laughs) Oh. Uh, Derange the human machine, either by physical, mental, or moral disturbances. Yeah, and (laughs) And pathological appetites, desires, cravings, and hallucinations are the result. One step in the wrong direction opens the way for the second and third and so on, till the human organism soon falls a victim to the disturbances of a multitude of deranging influences that result, if long continued in fixed pathological habits of organs and tissues. So he's sort of saying that um, if you are healthy, you will only want healthy things that make you healthy. Right. But if you are unhealthy, you'll start craving foods that are bad for you, and then that will make you more unhealthy, and then those cravings will get worse. You know, so you sort of... Unhealth breeds... Unhealthy eating breeds unhealthy eating, is what he's saying. Yeah. Uh, Although he does say that there are other influences on this. Uh, Surrounding relations, associations, circumstances, necessities, customs, and fashions gradually develop morbid tastes within the healthy organism. These tastes, regularly indulged in, become by degrees confirmed but cultivated abnormal habits. At the same time, they derange organs and tissues little by little until they result in pathological tastes. Yeah. Like going to the Asian section in porn. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. And I'll leave that to the listener to have a think about that one. (laughs) I don't know if that's racist or not. not Uh, We'll find out. Write in. Let us know. When these physical derangements become firmly fixed, chronic disease of some kind is the result. Its nature being determined by the character of and long continuance in the gratification of specific unhealthy desires and appetites. Yeah. Like I said. (laughs) So it's, it's kind of straightforward what he's saying at this stage is just that eating poorly causes disease, so we should try and eat healthily. And also, if you eat healthily, you're going to want to keep doing that. And if you eat, eat <clears throat> unhealthily, it will develop a taste for that for which unhealthy. is unhealthy. That's right. That's not so bad. No. So, uh, he has some pretty specific recommendations for what constitutes healthy and unhealthy food. Um Healthy alimentation is the feeding upon that or those kinds of foods which any given animal organism is designed to live upon as indicated by the structure and functions of its digestive apparatus. Unhealthy alimentation is the feeding upon food which the digestive organs cannot readily and perfectly digest. Yeah, so cows are supposed to eat grass and magnets as far as I understand from Yes, that's right. 
For instance, we should not for a moment think of feeding our cattle, horses and sheep upon lean and fat meats. Neither do we expect to feed cats and dogs upon hay, corn and oats. Which, you know, it's a fair point. We've got Louie on that grain-free dog food because otherwise he gets the toots real bad. Mm. You don't want that. So he's sort of uh, suggesting a scientific approach to diet where we look at what the organs are designed to do and then eat in a way that sure. matches that. So what does that look like for humans? Um, well, we're kind of... I mean, we've got... Let's think about this, right? So mm-hmm. we've got our teeth are various shaped because we, we have a... Um, a diet that I think is evolutionarily um, both carnivorous and um, herbivorous. Herbivorous. Yeah. Um, we've got a, an assortment. You know, we've got our our canines up the front for um, ripping and tearing meat, and same thing with the eye, with the um, front teeth, and you've got the the mashes up the back for fiber, etc. Um, I mean, and our stomach is sort of well, our digestive tract. We've got you got your you got your stomach. Classic bag yep. of acid. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you got everything else, which is for the hard stuff. Now, you are thinking exactly along the same lines uh, as as Dr. Jim was. Yeah. Uh, by structure, man is about two-thirds carnivorous and one-third herbivorous. Sure. In this native wild state, he feeds mainly upon game and fish with much less than one-third of vegetable products. Now... Yeah, okay. So yep. this is where we All start right. getting into his beliefs um, about the specific, you might say. Oh, okay. Um, hmm. In this state, he is free from most of our fatal diseases. So he's saying that in, in when living, living off the land, uh, you know, pre-civilization uh, or uh, pre, you know, sort of modern civilization, the way we think of it, that we, we were free of most fatal diseases such as consumption, Bright's disease, diabetes, locomotor ataxy, paralysis, fatty diseases of vital organs, tumors, and various forms of cancer. He is also exempt from most infectious complaints, such as smallpox, measles, scarlet fever, diphtheria, and so on. These only reach him when he comes in contact with our much-lauded civilization. Okay. A civilization full of, quote, shirking responsibility of sin and of the causes of disease. Here we go. All right. Which is quite interesting because he's he's being uh, he's sort of anti uh, modern civilization there, which is odd. I think a lot of people back then would have taken a very different approach to that. Um, as a general rule, we have twenty meat teeth and only twelve vegetable teeth, while four of these latter, the wisdom teeth, are poor apologies as grinders. The stomach in man is a purely carnivorous organ and is designed, both in structure and function, for the digestion of lean meats. Sure. Healthy alimentation would consist in a diet of about one part of vegetables, fats, and fruits to about two parts of lean meat. Sweets and fruits should be used in moderate quantity and as relishes only. Fruits should only be taken after breakfast and dinner on a full stomach and then only in moderate quantity, never at or after supper. Oh, okay. The supper should be more of a lean meat meal than either of the others, and the best meat for supper is broiled lean beef. This digests easily and quickly and is less liable to produce flatulence than any other food. I mean, if that's your goal. Yeah. He might be right. I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist or a dietitian or a doctor. Uh, But, you know, what happens if you don't adhere to a mostly lean beef diet? Uh, It's not good. Yeah. Some of the diseases arising from unhealthy alimentation are as follows. 
consumption in all its phases, including, quote, chronic diarrhea and summer complaints in children. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fuck, it's summer again. Ah, the kids have all got summer complaints. Uh, Dyspepsia in all its forms. That's when you don't have Pepsi, I think. Don't have, yeah. Yeah. Rheumatism in all its varieties, gout, Bright's disease, diabetes mellitus, locomotor ataxy, ovarian tumours, goiter, and cretinism. <laughs> oh, boy. Yep. Uh, he continues, softening of the brain and most cases of insanity, which have not been produced by injuries, inflammations, and effusions, all forms of <laughs> deafness and diseases of the eye and ear that have not resulted from injuries, hypochondria, <laughs> most cases of loss of voice, eczema, scald head, etc., etc. <laughs> I didn't. So that's scald as in like S C A L D, like to be scalded by a hot subs, you know, yeah. substance of some guy. Yeah, or a hot lady. Uh, the Merriam Webster defined scald head as any of several diseases of the scalp characterized by falling out of the hair and by pustules, uh, the dry discharge of which forms scales. Now, you might think, okay. All I have to do is eat more lean beef than I do anything else. But that's not the only part of the Salisbury diet. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, I'm, but if I do do this, I'm not going to get ovarian cysts. Yes. Well, th- at least you have that. Uh, but he does ask you to do uh, another thing. Um, you're going to need to drink a lot of hot water. Uh, and How hot are we talking? Uh, oh, I'll tell you. The digestive organs in consumption may be aptly compared to an old vinegar barrel. And like it, they require <laughs> frequent and thorough washing out before yeah. any fermentable food can be taken in without fermenting. All right, this guy knows a thing or two about me. The washing should be done by drinking hot water at about 110 degrees Fahrenheit. It's about 43 degrees Celsius. Yeah. And should take place long enough before each meal to allow the water and washings to get out of the stomach before the food is eaten and to keep ahead of the food as it passes down the stomach <laughs> and bowels. <laughs> you don't want the food to overtake your hot water. No. Uh, The object of the the hot water is to wash out a dirty, yeasty, slimy, sour stomach before eating and sleeping. It should be taken (laughs) on retiring in order that the stomach may be as clean as possible to sleep upon and may not excite troubled sleep, dreams, or wakefulness. The common and excessive use of cold water, both in drinking and bathing, (laughs) is a very great mistake. It depresses the system and wastes the animal heat in the effort to restore the temperature of the economy, which is sensibly lowered by it. And the nerve force needed by the various organs, of which we have none too much at any time... Can you... Yeah, sorry. Uh, is, ...is drafted off to repair our mistake. Now, I want you to remember the phrase nerve force okay. for me. That's... um. Now, I've heard this once here and once from Evangelion. That... Drinking water uses your life. Oh no! Sorry, nerve. Nerve. Yeah. yeah. Um, Anime can, joke. Remind me what um what what year is this from? This is eighteen eighty eight. Eighteen eighty eight. Man, people people sure didn't know how to think back then, did they? No. Like they didn't know how to make good good thinking. I I do they like that he's a like thing and then be like, well, that's it. Yeah. You know what? I'm tired because I after I drank a glass of cold water, yeah. I think it's sapping my life force. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> When we ice our water, we intensify this error a hundredfold and sacrifice <laughs> the well-being of our all internal organs. Come on. For, 
for the temporary cooling of mouth and throat. If those surfaces were in perfectly normal condition, we should not crave this cooling. This taste, like the appetite for liquors, wines, and drinks of all description, is a cultivated and abnormal one. Such have no place in the healthy system. They are symptoms of disease and warn us of a sub-basic cause which must be removed. I have known confirmed drunkards, after they have been kept from all spiritous liquors and cured of diseased appetites by the restoration of tone to the digestive apparatus, to admit that they preferred hot water to liquor in any form and to keep it up throughout life as a stimulant to digestion. That's just not true. Yeah. You've no, never um, found an alcoholic who's like, yeah, you know what? I actually, um, I don't miss drinking beer at all. I just no. like hot water hot now. Hot water now. Now, uh, remember what I said to you earlier about nerve force. Oh, boy, do I. Let me allow Dr. Jim to explain nerve force to you. The two great factors of healthy organic life may be said to be, first, alimentation, and second, nerve force or vital energy. Ah, yes. Getting some uh, big Jim Penman energy here. Mm -hmm. Few persons are aware of the great amount of life force that is absolutely thrown away, which force is required to keep up the healthy actions of the organs of human life, those organs through and by which we live, breathe, and continue our existence in the body. This nerve force is unnecessarily expended in an almost constant and ineffectual working, day and night, of the faculties of the cerebrum. I mean, I do kind of identify with that a bit. Yeah, I actually think the rest of this paragraph might uh, sound quite relatable to you. <laughs> uh, a working without definite object or result, which the individual apparently has neither power nor knowledge to control. Yeah. This thinking, feeling, and worrying is under the influence and guidance of the emotional or sympathetic nerves, which are then really insane or working wildly. <laughs> Willpower or voluntary mental effort affords neither a balance wheel nor a safety valve to check this waste. The more the willpower, pure and simple, is brought to bear as a controlling and checking means, the greater the expenditure of nerve force. So you're tiring yourself out by trying to make yourself be calm and restful. Yeah. I think is what he's saying. Yeah, I mean, there's something to that. Uh, but he luckily has actually found the cure for that as well. Oh, good day. A variety of simple means may be resorted to in order to bring about this desirable change in the direction of expenditure of nerve force. All such means tend to calm the distracted, wildly acting, acting faculties and to set in motion healthy operations. One easy and effectual plan is to get off alone in a quiet room when there is no noise <laughs> nor other disturbing influence. Yeah. Now, I think that meant something different back then. Oh, okay. Yes. But the patient should be seated in an easy chair or yep. lie upon a bed or lounge. Sure. <laughs> yep. The right hand should uh -huh. be placed with the palm on the forehead and the palm it's of the left hand over the cerebellum. <laughs> That's not how I do it. Uh, left hand over the, the cerebellum and back of the neck. The yeah. eyes should be fixed upon some small object and persistently kept there. The breathing. I mean, I do put my left hand on the cerebellum so I can use the right hand for the mouse. Yeah. The eyes should be fixed upon some small object and persistently kept there. The breathings, which should be full, easy, and slow, should be counted up to 49. The patient <laughs> all the time. That's such a dumb number. Never try and pick a specific number. Yeah. Uh, the patient all the time listening intently as if expecting to hear something to advantage. He is actually just kind of describing... It's sort of just describing like, mindfulness. Mindfulness. Yeah. 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 So, like, he's so close to having something there, but then it's like they can't 
they can't help themselves thinking that they've got a, a grand unified theory of yeah. uh, skull measurements. It can't just be that, like, taking some time to just, like, not stress and to just breathe yeah. could just help. Yeah, that, that could be it. Yeah. Yeah. When 49 inspirations have been reached, which I believe he's he's using inspiration here to mean inward respiration. Yeah. Uh, remove the right hand down to the pit of the stomach and the left hand to the opposite part of the back. Now go through the operations previously suggested. When the hands are on the forehead and back of the neck. When 49 inspirations are again reached, remove the right hand down over the umbilicus and the left hand to the small of the back, repeating all the operations as before. If they have been properly and quiescently conducted, Mm -hmm. the patient will either be happily sleeping or happily awake before the last 49th (laughs) inhalation has been reached. Uh, now, this next part I actually kind of agree with. Again, I think he's making some good points. Uh, the cerebrum should not be permitted to work and consume vitality for more than 10 hours in the 24 on average. The so other he's still t- about thinking for too long, right? Yeah, he's, he's saying Why you shouldn't be just... thinking for more yeah. than about 10 hours a day. Okay, sure. The other 14 hours should be spent in recreation, eating, and refreshing sleep. If the organs and tissues are all in good order and the diet, drinks, and exercise what they should be, the cerebrum will become quiescent and rest wholly during sleep. The sleep will be refreshing and free from unpleasant dreams, while the nerve force will expend itself through the cerebellum and spinal ganglia in operating healthfully those organs over which we have little or no control. When the cerebrum works abnormally, extravagantly scattering nerve force in every direction, the stomach and bowels halt. Digestion and assimilation are seriously impaired. The food begins to ferment and decay, and peristaltic action is reversed, working the bile up into the stomach and back into the gallbladder, thus producing biliousness, which results in high-coloured, scanty urine, dullness, lassitude, and often headache. So do you think... So you tested this, or you just thought that this was probably what went on? Well, he sort of tested this. Okay. Um, so he arrived at this uh, theory of nerve force uh, because he, you know, he had figured out the food, the meat, and the hot water thing. Yeah, but found that it was uh, somewhat walt- wanting when he was still treating people with it. Okay. Um, after having quite successfully traced nearly every disease to its cause and finding myself able to build up the body and get it apparently in a good physical condition, there was one very important element wanting to affect a perfect cure. This was my inability to get vitality into the system as fast as it was put into physiological repair. Huh. He, he should get in touch with the bone guys. Well, they are notes. both looking for the same thing, apparently. Yeah. But, in different, but in different places, you know? Yeah. Well, bones and the stomach. Yeah. 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 Classically, two very, very different domains. Like the, the Capulets and the other guys. That's right. The Montagues? Yeah. Montagues and the Capulets, the bones and the stomachs. Many times my patients would reach an apparently healthy condition, but would have little power to exert themselves. Often they would feel quite well and yet have little or no muscular endurance. For a long time, my mind dwelt upon this point with a persistent determination to fathom the mystery. I went to my library one evening after dinner, first giving orders that I should not be disturbed on any account whatsoever, locked the door, partially lowered the light, and seated myself in an easy chair, with my eyes fixed vacantly upon the grey wall of the ceiling, (laughs) and dropped back mentally into myself, 
contemplating passively and attentively the sensations and workings in every part of the body. Again, yeah, I mean, you talked about mindfulness. He's yeah. invented meditation and mindfulness. Yeah, is what that he's rules. Saying, which just is stick kind of, with that. Kind of great. Yeah, just do uh, that thing. I had not been in this contemplative mood for more than 15 minutes before I found myself thrilled through and through with a glow of healthy, happy action in every part that was in purest sense most delightful. I remained in this state for about two hours, which were the happiest my life had ever known up yeah, until that time. On. This man sat down and spaced out for two hours. It was like, holy fuck. Holy shit. Yeah, nothing will ever compare. This guy should... Uh, oh, he's dead now, right? Yeah. Being 1888. Yeah. He's, he's probably he's... dead. Um, fuck, he would have loved, like, 2CI. This man would have loved uh, Valium. He would have loved, <laughs> like... This man would have loved a small dose of codeine. Uh, <laughs> nearly every evening for several months I kept up this study upon myself for two or three hours at a time uh, honey it's my sitting into a chair and zoning the fuck out time I mean do it's not great. disturb me he is using a good experimental methodology here that he's repeating the experiment the fact that he is the subject and yeah. it's just sitting down for three hours yeah I, actually when I was depressed I kind of came to the same sort of method <laughs> as well <laughs> Uh. <laughs> in order to work out the problem with sufficient accuracy so that I might impart to my sick patients the ways and means of accumulating life force, I found that all mechanical efforts, whether mental or physical, exhaust and deplete us of energy faster than we can take it in, while all enjoyable and inspirational pursuits invigorate. That is, in these last, energy or life force is taken in faster than it is expended. Thus, we should as far as possible avoid all mechanical efforts and engage only in congenial and interesting pursuits. Oh, man, this guy would have loved video games. <laughs> this Check out I, modern, modern Warfare Black Ops 3. I love this man's attitude about most things. Yeah. Uh, the idle ramblings of an exaggerated fancy or the senseless worries of morbid <laughs> anxieties weaken the mind. Yeah. The automatic efforts of a listless body drain it of life force. So the thrust of everything he's saying so far vis-a-vis life force is uh, try not to worry too much, don't work too hard, Yep. take some time to do some mindful breathing, take some time to just sit and collect your thoughts. Yep. Which, so That's far, so good. good. But now, T-Bird, we've actually arrived at the thing that I want to talk about. All of that was just an intro. That was right. a preamble. Uh, what I wanted to talk to you about um, 30 minutes after I started talking yep. was chapter 49 of his book, The Relation of Alimentation and Disease by J.H. Salisbury. Now, this chapter, of course, is titled Experiments with, quote, Baked Beans as an Exclusive Diet Upon Strong yes. Healthy Men. Oh, man, he's doing the Soylent Diet before. <laughs> now, uh, so to set out to prove um, that... So, he, he thought that we were never really meant to digest uh, vegetables. And this was yeah. a contempt that he held the most strongly about legumes. Uh, the man hated God, beans. The, I mean, there's probably something to it, right? Like, because the legume you never fully digest, um, sort of, you know, it's going to give you gas, etc. You know, probably a, probably a good starting point there for your, like, experimentation. Well, see, that's he, and he agrees with you 100% on that. That's where yeah. he's at. So, um, I'll let him describe uh, the experiment in his own words. 
In September of 1856, I engaged six strong, healthy men in the vigor of life, <laughs> ranging in age from 25 to 40 years, to feed upon a special diet solely with the understanding that I would pay them $30 per month each if they submitted faithfully to the rigid discipline laid down. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fuckload of money. To... Oh, it... hey, give me 30 bucks. I mean, what's I? I don't even know how I would calculate that, but like thirty bucks in the mid eighteen hundreds yeah, is an extraordinary is like $1 amount of money. One million dollars now, and hey, he's this is a guy that, of means, all right? And he's yes. using the means to pay a bunch of himbos. Yeah, to eat only beads, eat only beans in a share house for a yeah. month. <laughs> Welcome to Bead House. <laughs> this guy's like before his time. We needed his brain. Uh, in reality TV. Uh, <laughs> oh, if someone was filming this? Uh, at the same time, I explained to them the kind of food upon which I should require them to live, the exercise and other regulations marked out. Yeah, you did. All thought the diet and drinks could be easily endured, in fact, enjoyed. Especially as they would have no manual labor to perform. They all entered upon the undertaking with the feeling that they would have a fine time at my expense. The diet consisted first of baked beans and coffee... <laughs> So this good. to continue for one month or until otherwise ordered by me. <laughs> Exercise to be a two-mile walk morning and evening. To retire at 9pm and rise at 6am. Drinks between meals. Cold water. On the 13th of September, the experiments began. Breakfast at 7am, dinner at 12 noon and supper at 6pm. All six boarders were strong, robust, free from disease and having one regular movement of the bowels every day. Yeah, that's going to change. The first day all <laughs> went well. The first thing to go. <laughs> uh, sorry, the first day all felt well and enjoyed themselves greatly. <laughs> Towards evening began to bloat but had no special feeling of discomfort. <laughs> Slept well. Entered upon the second day feeling about as well as on the first, except that all were flatulent and constipated. Yet all had a scanty hard movement of the bowels before evening. <laughs> In the after part of the day, they were very uncomfortable from the bloating took them on a brisk walk of two miles, which was something of a relief. Now, from this point onwards, from the third day of the experiment uh, until the 18th, uh, he catalogues the symptoms of each border individually by assigning them uh, a letter A through F. Now, they all experienced um, basically the same symptoms with a few minor variations. Yeah, but. I am going to give you the account uh, of subject uh, F. Um, and this is a representative of basically what everyone went through. Uh, but this is subject F, day 3 through 18. Day 3. Bloated badly, slight movement, colic pains, head swims. Day 4. Bloated badly, constipated, <laughs> colic, ears ring, bewildered. <laughs> Day five, bloated badly, constipated, colic, ears ring, confused. <laughs> oh my god, they're they're supersizing me themselves. Yeah, they're super beating themselves. <laughs> Day six, bloated badly, constipated, dizzy, colic, confused, uneasy and restless. Day seven, bloated badly, constipated, ears ring, dizzy, uneasy and bewildered. <laughs> Day eight. Oh. Bloated badly, constipated, ears ring, dizzy, hands and feet prickle, bewildered. Oh, these poor guys. Day nine. Bloated badly, constipated, dizzy, hands <laughs> and feet prickle, feels strangely and confused. 
Day 10. Bloated badly. Ears ring. Constipated. <laughs> hands and feet numb. Feels strangely. Day 11. One large, thin movement. Colic. Dizzy. Feet prickle. Strange. Day 12. Three large stools. Head numb and vacant. Feels lost and strange. Feet prickle. <laughs> it's the worst Irrowid trip report ever. <laughs> T plus 12 days. Farting constantly. No shits. Can't feel anything. Day 13. Six large thin stools. Forgetful and feels strangely. Feet and hands prickle. Dizzy. It could have been the, the one... The one... <laughs> Long strange stool <laughs> experienced six times and forgotten. Day 14. Seven large thin stools. Tears <laughs> ring. Feet and hands numb. Feels strange and vacant. Legs and feet numb. God. Day 15. Ten large thin stools. <laughs> Reels in walking. Feels tired and strange. Day 16. Ten large yeasty stools. Bewildered, weak, eyes vacant, feet prickle. Day 17. Nine thin yeasty stools. Bewildered, eyes vacant and glaring. Feet and hands prickle. Feet drag in walking. Day 18. Twelve thin stools. Reels in walking. Ears ring. Feet and hands numb. Nervous. Heart palpitates on exertion and breathing oppressed. Lips, legs and hips numb. Feet drag in walking. Now at this point, he notes... Uh, symptoms of progressive paralysis or locomotor ataxy begin to show themselves in all six cases on 10th day. These paralytic and peculiar symptoms increased each day after the 10th. On 16th day, the disease was so marked that not one of the six could walk straight without support. All wobbled and dragged their legs, not being able to lift them clear of the floor. So all of these people came down with bean-induced immobility. Yeah. Yeah. This is classic beanitis as I've ever seen it. This is chronic beanitis. Yeah. So the beanitis being so chronic that at this point uh, he decides to change tack. My boarders on the 19th morning all presented such a forlorn, dilapidated appearance that I feared I should lose my reputation as a caterer yeah, and also you, my guests. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they might also die as well. So <laughs> probably put that in your considerations. Uh, they had all lost heavily in weight and were much debilitated. Yeah. When on the morning of the 19th day, I set before them nice beef steaks, by which he means the Salisbury steak he invented, uh, freed from fat and white tissue, they were all greatly delighted and ate ravenously of them. I gave to each 10 ounces of meat with a good cup of clear coffee, beef seasoned with butter, pepper and salt, no other food or drinks. At dinner, gave each 12 ounces of beef steak, prepared as for breakfast and half a pint of clear tea. The meal was hugely enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, they've been eating beans. But, and they are thrilled to see nothing but a beef patty on a plate. Uh, all now began to breathe easier and to feel clearer about the head. Passages less frequent, though still large and numerous. He's talking about shitting. During the afternoon, all were in a state of enjoyable relief and were ready to speak a good word for their host and his house. At supper, gave each 10 ounces of beefsteak with a clear cup of tea. The meal was greatly relished. The evening was a pleasant one, all having a sense of relief from the extreme flatulence, bewildered heads, oppressed breathing, and the numbness of previous days. 
then he continues, he starts charting their progress from the 19th day through to the 21st after he's put them back on an all-beef diet. Uh, but I'll give you his summary on... Yeah, yeah I bet he's 22. got a fucking important point to make about all of this. He sure does. Called up on 22nd uh, morning at 6am, all in good trim and loud in praise of their host and his table. Gave each one pound of broiled steak, half a pint of clear coffee and a slice of bread and butter. The meal was much enjoyed. All felt unusually well, clear-headed and happy. Half an hour after breakfast gave them a long walk. At 12, each had one pound of broiled steak, a slice of bread and a cup of clear coffee, which they took with great relish. After finishing the meal, I paid off my boarders and discharged them. With a feeling of regret and reluctance, I think on both sides, we separated. Still, they could not realize how I could keep up and, quote, make both ends meet while running a boarding house on this plan. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking weird that you're paying us to eat yeah. beans and live here. Yeah. I may add that I had throughout shared their diet, discipline, and experiences in all respects. Fuck, they can't even get rid of this guy. He gave himself bean disease while yeah. he was doing this. He was also going through... Which is just fucking wild. Um, and that that concludes oh. the story I wanted to tell you, the story of Bean House. Absolutely wonderful. Can you imagine seven burly boys in mm-hmm. the prime of their life all dying because Rip- they've eaten too many <laughs> Ripping beans. it up. Oh. Some ambulantly. History is so beautiful. Yeah. So I, I started looking into this because um, it was... It, Came up on, oh yeah, dude, just they mentioned in passing that like uh, the guy who invented Salisbury steak uh, came up with one of the first fad diets, which was just drinking, eating mostly meat and drinking just coffee. And I was like, oh, that's that's pretty cool. And I started reading this book and then got to the part about Bean House and lost my GD mind. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of sort of um, proving the... Proving the the all beef diet by contradiction. Yes. Well, let's see. He's trying to, you know, falsify his results. No, but you know what I mean. Like he's trying yeah. to, yeah. Which I, this man, I think he's probably more sound than um, B J Palmer. Yeah. I would say if we had to pick which of these two quacks uh, we prefer, I I'd pick J H Salisbury. Yeah, I'm given the one that's serving me a nice Salisbury steak. Yeah, and nothing else. Or maybe a bit of buttered bread, even. Yeah, we're talking. Well, um, thank you, Theo, for uh, doing another Theo Files with me. Oh. You know these are my favourite kind of episodes that we Absolutely. Um, good luck with the novel coronavirus. Thank you. Um, uh, so far, it's going very poorly. Yeah, it sounds all like involved. Finn is not having a great time. No, Finn's time not having a good time with the novel coronavirus. Because he has COVID and he's teething at the yeah. same time. Yeah. Yeah, that sucks ass. Inventing some new teeth. Mm, well, good on him. Yeah. He's a real teen entrepreneur. <laughs> That's what I've been fostering in him. We will uh, catch you next week. Thanks for subscribing to the Patreon. We love that about you. Unless I've released this as a free episode because uh, I wanted a night. Oh, I could do that when I go yeah. up to Cairns, actually. Yeah. Mm. In which case, to us, you were scampering goblins Yeah. before the light. Yeah. You should really, though, consider signing up to the Patreon. Um or don't, if you don't yeah, want to. because you've no. already gotten this episode. You got it so. for free. Why buy the et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, why buy the cow yeah. um, when you can drink the raw milk for free? 
Why buy the cow when you live in an apartment and you have nowhere to put it? Where's it going to go? Bye, everyone. Bye.